It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday each week. That's right, your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where every Friday throughout the offseason, we'll do our weekly Friday mailbag. We have not been doing them this month. But I'm done traveling. I'm back here in town. I'm excited to answer your questions. And I have a ton of them. So if you go ahead and continue to DM me and fill up my DMs, just at me, at Julian Council again on Twitter, I will get to your questions starting again this Friday. Would have answered them last Friday. But there was something actually more important to talk about as Terry Moten signed that extension with the Carolina Panthers, which had everyone excited considering the Panthers desperately needed to get that done prior to that deadline on July 15th at 4 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, prior to the start of the 2021 season, locking up their right tackle for the next five seasons, if you count this year with the franchise tag. Make sure to also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey and wherever you get your podcast from. Earlier this week, I talked to Elena Getzenberg of the Charlotte Observer, and today I'm going to talk to her teammate of with the Charlotte Observer as well, John Alexander, Jonathan Alexander, who is also a beat reporter covering the Carolina Panthers. He is also born and raised here in Charlotte, North Carolina. You guys know how I feel about that, being a, a 704 born and bred local as well. So always exciting to talk to anyone like that, especially someone who's been around and seen this team for many years and does a fantastic job covering the Carolina Panthers. So without further ado, my conversation with Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer. Okay, as promised, here on Locked On Panthers, Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer. Talked to his teammate, Elena Getzenberg, last week. Now talking to him as we look towards training camp starting out in Spartanburg, South Carolina next week on the campus of Wofford College. You can follow him on Twitter at John M. Alexander. John, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Cannot complain. Excited that we finally are close to actually having some real football to talk about and not just speculation, but we actually get to see things happen on the field as they head down to training camp next week, the Carolina Panthers. Well, let's go ahead and go back to last week. Uh, the only kind of off-season news that we would have had the last six weeks was whether the Carolina Panthers were going to sign Taylor Moten the right tackle to an extension, and it came to terms right there, right before the deadline, four years, $72 million, $43 million guaranteed. You count in the money he's making this year on the franchise tag, He's getting five years, $85 million potentially over the next five seasons here in Carolina. Did you get any inclination this was going to happen? Were you surprised? Obviously, I feel like everyone has to believe that that was the right move for Carolina to extend Moten. Yeah, definitely the right move. You know, we know that um, the Panthers really wanted to get a deal done with Taylor Moten. They have probably the highest regard for him among, you know, they really respect Taylor Moten. He's, you know, been a consistent player for them. Doesn't miss a game. 
uh, doesn't give up sacks, uh, doesn't give up pressures. He's probably the mature thing on this team, the guy you know you can count on most other than Christian McCaffrey. Um, so I knew that the Panthers wanted to get it. We knew that the Panthers wanted to get a deal done. It was just a matter of matter of whether they could come to an agreement on what the terms of that is. You know, Taylor Moten is getting paid left tackle money. Um, you know, left tackles really aren't paid as much as, as he is getting. So I think that was a little bit of a uh, – you know, the, where the impasse was and, um, you know, Taylor Moten and his agent, you know, they wanted to get the contract that they got and they got it. So, um, I think it was just a little bit of a matter of getting over that, that hump and they finally got that deal done. Yeah. I mean, $18 million per year over the four years of that deal is like you said, it's left tackle money. And maybe we're starting to see here in the NFL as Ryan Ramchick down in New Orleans, he signed $19 million a year deal not too long ago, which might've played a factor with Taylor Moten as well. I've seen some sentiment that maybe the Carolina Panthers messed up by not extending him last year, considering the kind of money he's now getting. Do you think they maybe made a mistake just on the organization side by having to pay Milton this much money now because they didn't extend him last season with the new head coach and outgoing GM and Marty Herney still at the helm? Yeah, I, I do. I think the earlier you can get a player, you know, you know, the, the probably the cheaper you can get him. Um, and and Taylor Bolton was that guy who, was going to perform well regardless. So, you know, I think they, you know, it's our understanding that there weren't many discussions last year. Um, and, you know, when you hear that, you know, you think those discussions should have happened. Um, so I do think that the Panthers um, did make a mistake by not getting a deal done with Taylor Moulton before this year when his price went up even further. Yeah, no, I mean, he's absolutely the one of the most consistent guys on the offense, like you said, outside of Christian McCaffrey. And then you can even make the argument, considering Christian missing 13 games last season, that over the last couple of years, he is the most yeah. consistent player. Now, a guy who joins this offense who has not been consistent in terms of good play over the first three years of his career is Sam Donald, who the Panthers traded for right before the draft. What's the kind of vibe that you got from the organization throughout OTAs and minicamp? as Sam Darnold tries to come in here, learn this offense, and really kind of be a reclamation project and save his career in Carolina? Yeah, I, I think they really like him. I think they like his attitude and his willingness to learn and to get better and to try to bond with his teammates. Um, you know, so far, so good. Um, you know, they get along with him. Um, and like I said, he has the right attitude. That's what everybody's saying. But, you know, you know, it's different when you get out on the field and you're playing in a real game. You know, they said this about Teddy Bridgewater last year. Right. And, and we see how, you know, that didn't really work out. So I, I really think that he's probably doing all the right things right now. But it's really, you know, show me what you can do when the lights come on. So I, I think that'll be a huge thing. Um, you know, he didn't do too well without protection in New York. And, and, the, and the Panthers kind of have, you know, some question marks over there on the left side of the offensive line. Um, they've got to figure that out for sure. Uh, and um, But we'll see. Um, he's, he's got – I think Sam Darnold's got a lot to improve on from last year. Looked at, at film on him, and he had a lot of issues with his mechanics and his footwork. And, and I know that's something that uh, they've been working on. Sean Ryan, the new quarterback's coach, has been working on with Sam Darnold and the rest of the quarterbacks. So I think they got to get that fixed. But I think Sam Darnold has the weapons to get the job done. He just has to, has to have the confidence – and he definitely has to have the protection, too. Yeah, that's the thing. Confidence. It's got to be probably one of the keys to him having any sort of success. Because, like, yeah, I understand in theory why Carolina would take the risk on him, albeit the fact that Teddy Bridgewater has been a much better quarterback 
than Sam Darnold's entire NFL career. So from the outside and even in the inside, it does not necessarily look like it's a uh, an upgrade if you just look at the, the pure numbers. But confidence-wise, like if he can find it, maybe he can figure it out. But you bring up the lack of protection. Like Taylor Moten, you're, you're not worried about him. John Miller was all right, solid last year. They bring him back from one year at right guard. Matt Paradis at center, going to be his last year. Then on the left side, if you're just going to go based off of contracts – Left tackle, likely Cam Irving. Left guard, likely Pat Elfline. Do you really feel like they have that much confidence in those dudes to actually allow Sam Darnold to have the time to actually develop and lead this offense to greater lengths than they went last year? I think this. I think you know. I think that they feel confident that in the week one they can go with um, with John Miller, Matt Paradis. Dennis Daly and Taylor Bowen. I think that they feel confident enough. Even though those all those players weren't great, you know, some of them were solid. I think they feel confident, you know, being that those guys are returning. But the left tackle, I don't think they know. I mean, you know, they brought Cam Irving in to possibly be that starter. Cam Irving said he's looking to be that starter. At the same time, he's been injured. Um, you know, he's missed a lot of that. He missed a lot of those OTAs. He was on the sideline, you know, on the bike. Um, and you you have Trent Scott, who's an option. He's primarily a backup. He was solid when he came in, but yet he hasn't been a starter yet. Um, and, and and I think that's just a big – they haven't figured out what they're going to do at left tackle. And I, and I think that's perhaps probably the most important position on the offensive line, guarding your, your, your blind side, and that's why they get paid the big bucks too. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I think they're still trying to figure that out. I don't, I don't think we'll know who the starter will be until – probably midway towards the end of through training camp. So I think, um, you know, being that Kevin Irvin got hurt and missed that time, I think that was a little bit of a setback in trying to figure that out. All right, quick pause and more with Jonathan Alexander on the other side. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great new sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, here's my thing too. Like, if we're looking at his training camp battles... I mean, that's really kind of the only one. You could maybe they don't have a they haven't brought in a kicker yet to go against Joey Sly. I, I imagine at some point in time they got to find someone to give him some competition. He's got to be like the only competition or lack thereof on the roster. You can look at long snapper uh, after drafting Thomas Fletcher going up against JJ Jansen, the oldest 
uh, Panther on the team as a competition. But I don't imagine they wasted a six-round pick not to keep Thomas Fletcher on the, on the team. But right. left tackle has got to be the main competition. You, you mentioned Trent Scott, who filled in last year when um, Russell Okung went down. But also he had to fill in because Greg Little wasn't off the snuff. How does Greg Little factor into this? Because I think there's a lot of people thinking that come September, he's not on that initial 53-man roster. He's no longer Carolina Panther. Yeah, he's one of the guys who we have kind of question marking, wondering whether he'll he'll be on that roster. Um, so, you know, he just hasn't performed up to the, the, the expectations that they have for him. Um, you know, he was second-round pick uh, 2018, really high. And he was supposed to be the starter by now. And uh, he just hasn't, you know, Matt Rule just hasn't seen enough of him up to this point. And, you know, he, he has a chance to prove that this uh, this training camp. But, you know, just like, you know, what we said with other players, you know, so far he hasn't shown it. So um, he's definitely one of those guys who's on the chopping by Kim, Will Greer, players like that. Um, players who we're going to definitely be watching for. Yeah, and you bring up Will Greer also in that same draft class. I think about Ian Thomas. You know, he's going into year four contract year. Last year, as a number one guy, wasn't wasn't good with twenty receptions, only about two hundred yards. Didn't didn't really add anything to the offense when you had other guys out there like Mike Davis, who played really admirable while Chris McCaffrey was out, had over a thousand yards from scrimmage. Chris McCaffrey is what not Chris uh, Curtis Samuel rather as well. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas. Is there any kind of thought that maybe he could be in trouble now that they brought in Dan Arnold, they traded, they drafted rather Tommy Trimble, and you've seen Manhurts go to Jacksonville now? Could this be kind of the final weeks for Ian Thomas too here in Carolina? One hundred percent. It definitely looks that way. He was a guy who they were expecting a little more of. You know, when when Greg Olson got hurt a couple of years ago, and Ian Thomas had that really good year. You know, you, you thought that maybe he was the the heir apparent to Greg Olson and. Last year, you know, he had all the opportunities in the world and, and didn't really show it. You know, you know, he mentioned that, you know, pa- the pandemic had a lot to do with you know his struggles. And you know, I know he had a loved one died during the season. And you got to think that probably affected him, too. Um, but he but he, he's like you said, he's on the last year and, and this is amazing. He has to do well this year. Um, the Panthers brought in, like you said, Tommy Tremble, they then. Arnold and, and Dan Arnold looked good in OTAs. He looked like a starting caliber tight end, the guy who's probably going to start day one for the Panthers. So, um, and then Tommy Trimble, they they have a lot of expectations of him. Um, they say he's more than just a blocking tight end. So, when you factor in all that, Ian Thomas definitely is one of those guys who has to have a great offseason and a, a great training camp and a, a good start to the year. Yeah, I mean, someone who obviously has no doubt they're going to be on the roster is Chris McCaffrey. I mean, he got the bag last offseason, gets injured, unfortunately, which is kind of how things seem to happen every time a running back in the league gets paid. Now, I'm not I'm not necessarily worried about his durability moving forward, considering how last year is pretty much the only time since he's been in college, even go back to high school, he's missed any sort of significant time. Yeah. Does Chris McCaffrey anyway have something to prove here? In 2021, because I look at these some of these running back rankings, I see Alvin Kamara ahead of them, Derrick Henry, um, Dalvin Cook, even Nick Chubb up in Cleveland. Is there anything for Chris McCaffrey to have to prove after last season missing those 13 games? I don't think so, to be honest with you. You know, he's been consistent his whole career. He had some bumps in the road um, last year with the injuries, which you know caused him to definitely miss a significant amount of time and probably contribute to a lot of those losses, but, um, you know, it was just one year. 
Um, we know what we get from Christian McCaffrey. He's an MVP-type caliber player. Um, as long as he's on the field, uh, the Panthers' offense is, is much better. Um, so I don't think he has anything to prove. If he were to get hurt a whole year, another year, then I, I would say so. But just one year, I think he'll come back. I think he'll be better. He's only what is he only in his fifth year. Um, I think he'll come back. I think he'll be better than what he even was. So a third, fourth year, can't remember off the top of my head. But I don't, I don't think he has anything to prove. I mean, last time we saw him, he had thousand yards receiving, thousand yards rushing. Only two other guys have done that: Marshall Falk, Roger Craig. I think they're both up in Canton, so I, I'm not I, I'm not really worried about Christian McCaffrey bouncing back, especially if the workload's the same. Like, do you do you expect them to still want to give him the ball 25 plus times a game? Oh, 100. percent They've said as much. Um, they don't plan to make any changes with how he had planned to use Christian McCaffrey, which I don't think should be the way to go. Not that they should take a lot of the carries away from Christian McCaffrey, but I do think that they ought to utilize their other running backs, switch it up a little bit because, you know, those hits do add up. But right now I don't think the Panthers have any plans to lessen the load on Christian McCaffrey. Um, You know, those injuries, you know, they say happen. Um, And, um, but Christian McCaffrey is a guy who, you know, for the most part takes care of himself. Um, Probably one of the, you know, they say he's probably the player who takes care of himself most. Um, so, but, you know, Christian McCaffrey's ability is so, you know, he can do so much, even as a decoy. Um, but in the running and the passing game that you can't, you can't not use him is how they're, they're viewing it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you got probably, arguably, the best offensive weapon in football. Now, DJ Moore, back-to-back thousand-yard receiving seasons. You saw last what Robbie Anderson did, had a career year. He already has that rapport with Sam Darnold dating back to New York. I'm not worried about those guys at all. I just, I do wonder though. You, you lose Curtis Samuel, mm-hmm. what a fantastic season under Joe Brady in this offense. He now goes to Washington Football Team. They go play for the same staff that underutilized him here in Carolina, but he got the bag, so I'm happy for him. But do they potentially see a pretty big drop-off now considering David Moore and Terrace Marshall are likely to be that number three wide receiver? Now, and you can also then account in the fact that McCaffrey will be part of the cap passing game this year too if he's healthy. But, I mean, that's got to be some somewhat of a concern, right, that number three wide receiver option now that Curtis Samuel's gone. Yeah, I think from that standpoint, um, the fact that they don't um, know for sure who that guy is going to be, is a little bit of a concern, but, you know, like you mentioned, I think what outweighs that is the fact that McCaffrey is coming back and they didn't have him last year. Um, and he's a huge part of the offense. He, you know, Curtis Samuel filled in a lot of what Christian McCaffrey would have done in the passing game last year. Um, so now having, I, I think that benefited Curtis Samuel more than anything, Christian McCaffrey being out because he, they had, they needed somebody else to go to. Um, so now that you have Christian McCaffrey back, I don't think that will hurt as much, but they do have to figure out who the third guy is. But I think they have some good options, though. Uh, you know, David Moore, you know, he, he performed. He wasn't great. He wasn't Curtis Samuel level, but he performed pretty well with the Seahawks. And, and um, you know, Terrace Marshall, you know, he's second round pick who had a first round grade by um, some NFL teams, particularly the Panthers, they had a first-round grade on them. So those guys have potential um, there. Um, so I don't, I don't think it'll be too bad of a drop-off with Curtis Samuel. 
Is Terrace Marshall going to be healthy? I, I know he wasn't around. At least he was on. He was in a red shirt throughout the entirety of the OTA and mandatory minicamp sessions. Is he expected to be 100% ready to go next week? I think so. Uh, you know, Matt Rule said, you know, before the end of, um, you know, OTAs that everybody was expected to be ready except one player. And I think that might have. Might have been Troy Pride, one or two players, but I know Terrace Marshall was a guy who was supposed to be full go. You know, Terrace Marshall had a, a had quite a few injuries um, coming up in high school and college, and um, had surgery um, at the end of his career at LSU. And they wanted to really knee scope surgery, um, had a foot issue, so they wanted to really take it slow. Uh, Matt Rule said, and um, you know, to further prolong his career so he could have a, a long career. So they didn't want to overextend him. So I think he'll be 100% full goal by training camp. From what you've seen so far, and we haven't really seen anything, what you've heard, looking at this offense in totality, do you think that they have the tools to be better than what they were last season, particularly in in in-the-game situations and in the red zone? Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, like I said, Dan Arnold is an upgrade. You know, having Christian McCaffrey back is an upgrade. Um, You know, DJ Moore, year older um uh, robbie anderson another year in the system had some time to reflect and figure out what, what went right what went wrong um i do think they have the tools to be a lot better um especially in the red zone um but it, I, I think it, it will again come down to sam darnold and whether he can make those plays because he didn't make them last year um so can he make those plays? If so, yes. And I think the Panthers can be good if he if he performs if he performs well. Um, I, I think it totally depends on Sam Darnold. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing because like we'll get to defense here in a moment, but it just feels like the entirety of the conversation this offseason. Like you bring in the pieces that we'll talk about here in a moment. Like you're really bringing Sam Darnold, and it's a quarterback league, and that's what people are going to be talking about throughout the entirety of the season, especially week one, of course, going up against the New York Jets, who gave up on him. I feel like rightfully so, considering how he played, and that Joe Douglas, the GM there in New York, did not draft him, and they had a brand new head coach and Robert Sala coming over from San Francisco. But like, does it really is is it that simple that everything here in 2021 for the Carolina Panthers like comes down to Sam Darnold, and like if he fails, how much of that falls on Matt Rule? And maybe even Scott Fitterer, I guess, who has a only been on the job for six months as the general manager. You know, I think um, you know the way they looked at it; it wasn't a big risk, um, and, and it had the potential to be a high reward. At the same time, um, you know, when you look back on the draft, they had a chance to draft Justin Fields, and if Justin Fields is really good, um, and Sam Darnold isn't, then it will be looked at as a failure, and you'll have to point the blame at. And Matt Rule and Scott Federer, and I think it's fair um, for that to happen. Um, you know, the the quarterback is the most important position on the football field, and if you don't have the right quarterback and you don't have the right guy throwing, and you don't have that guy making the plays, then you're not going to succeed. And, and everybody knows that, and they've said as much. So I think it really does come down to Sam Darnold. Of course, he'll have to get some help. Um, like I, I wouldn't put all the blame on Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he, you know, there were some. You know, defense wasn't always great. And uh, his offensive line wasn't always great. But in the end, it came down to Teddy Bridgewater in those late crucial game situations. And, and he didn't make a lot of those throws and he didn't close the deal. And Sam Darnold is going to be responsible. He's going to be held to that standard as well. He's going to be responsible for that. Can he put the ball in the end zone? Can he score touchdowns later games? 
I think, um, you know, I think that's going to be the true test, really. And it's going to it's going to, you know, determine whether they win or lose. More of Jonathan Alexander in just a moment. Guys, been telling me about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever, and they now have nine delicious flavors, including some of my favorites, coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, and double chocolate. Now, there's something for everyone when it comes to Built Bar. If you like fruit and you like chocolate, well, congratulations. You get 100% chocolate covered on every single bar. So if you like the cherry flavors, the raspberry flavors, you get 100% chocolate on those bars. They're also soft and easy to chew. And if you can't make up your mind on which built bar you want, you can always get a mixed box, meaning that you get two of each of the nine flavors. That's 18 built bars in one box made just for you. And you also ask, Peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie. That doesn't sound healthy. Well, you're wrong. They are healthy. Most flavors have about 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Get your Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And you, just like the U.S. track and field team heading to Tokyo, can have Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 right now. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I, I like the fact that you bring up the defense wasn't always great last year. You're not playing complimentary football. Matt Rule talked about how they couldn't get off the field a lot of times last season, which is why with the eighth pick, they chose J.C. Horn, who from everything I've read and heard and seen, whether it be kind of those highlight films and just him working out, which I don't really take to make, take, make too much of, he kind of yeah. seems like the real deal, right? Yeah, yeah. everybody who's spoken about him, you know, speaks really highly of him, says he's pro-ready already. You know, his father was a pro, so I'm sure he's learned that. Um, they say he has confidence. You know, a lot of the the guys who are older than him, not particularly on the Panthers, but his former teammates, you know, say they look up to him, which is, you know, which is an interesting thing. Like J.T. Ive told me he looks up to to uh, J.C. Horn, and J.T. Ive was three years older than J.C. Horn. And it's just that the way he carries himself, the mindset, the confidence, um, you know, I think that's I think that's going to help him. I think that's what they love about him. Um, I think that's why he'll he'll be successful at Carolina as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, and then he's going to be a day one starter. Right? They they've made that very clear. You don't draft. He's a first defensive player taken. You don't bypass a quarterback at Definitely. number eight unless you're going to start that guy day one. I also, yeah. you know, I told people I felt like I mean, hey, they don't trade for Sam Darnold if they were interested in those quarterbacks being on the board. Now I wonder though, like J.C. Horn out there. You got A.J. Boye, going to miss the first two games of the season because of the uh, drug suspension from last season. Big year for Dante Jackson. Contract years. I always like to say contract years are undefeated. You've seen how guys go out there and perform, and then we find out the year later whether it's real or not. How important is bringing in J.C. Horn potentially for Dante Jackson as he maybe gets to be more of a number two 
this season for the Carolina Panthers and not having all the expectations on him after the last couple of years of, especially last season, some pretty shoddy secondary help next to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a big reason they drafted, um, you know, JC Horn, just in case Dante Jackson, you know, leaves in free agency and wants a contract that they can't afford, but it should take some of the pressure off Dante. Um, you know, you having, you know, both him and AJ, you know, they have a solid secondary now, you know, three, you know, really, I think reliable guys. You know, I felt like Dante Jackson was a guy they, they felt like they could trust aside from the, you know, in- injuries that he had the turf toe, which, which bothered him uh, for much of the season. But, um, you know, when Dante Jackson went out, um, you know, they had issues with, you know, like Troy Pride struggled a lot, you know, as a rookie. Um, his replacements, those guys who came behind him. Rasul Douglas had a couple of – he had some good games, but he had some really bad games too, a couple of really bad games. And and now, you know, they have veterans and really good young players who they don't really have to worry about um, with that anymore. And I think that should ease some of the pressure off Dante Jackson and allow him to play a lot better as long as he stays healthy too. Yeah. A lot of what I'm saying it comes back to health, but you, you, you get it. Oh no, I no, I hear you for sure. And like I, I've been telling folks that I feel like the most improved position group on this roster without a doubt has to be that cornerback room. And you can also throw in Rashawn Melvin, who's a, a veteran. I don't know how he's gonna factor in. This is his ninth team, so it's not like I have a lot of expectations for him, but you got he has the kind of link that they like. They draft Keith Taylor, he has the kind of link that they like, at least Scott Fitter and what they had in Seattle, and at least Troy Pride and Stan Thomas Oliver as Bobby, they struggled last season. They at least have experience. So you have a, a lot of experience and depth there at the cornerback position. And the other position group I really like going into the season is got to be the defensive line slash the edge rush. You bring in Hassan Reddick, who had a monster season last year. Most of the sacks came in that one game against the Giants, but he still had double-digit sacks. Looked like a guy who might have got paid. Ended up just taking a, a small contract here to play for his former coach, Matt Rule. And you got him opposite of Brian Burns. And then you got YGM back, hopefully healthy this season. You added Daquan Jones, who's been a reliable starter in Tennessee the last couple of seasons. It kind of feels like the defensive line has a chance to really take that leap forward after last season, going from one of the top teams in terms of sacks to one of the bottom in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think the defensive line is, is what could make them a really good defense, actually. I, I think more than anything, the Daquan Jones signing was is underrated. Um, they really needed a defensive tackle, um, especially after, you know, they, I mean, Kwan Shorten didn't play, and, but um, Zach Kerr leaving, you know, leaving them cutting Zach Kerr, they didn't have any depth there. Um, and they still probably need to add a little bit more depth, but, but they got a really solid starter opposite of Derek Brown and Daquan Jones, who's been reliable. I think he's missed two, two games in the past five years and been really good. And I, I think that's going to really help them because they, one place that Carolina struggled last year was getting pressure up the middle until those last few games. I think Green Bay is where it started, but they struggled getting pressure up the middle, which put a lot of pressure on Brian Burns and uh, Yetua Gross Matos. And um, I think, you know, you add Hassan Reddick as an extra edge defender, and then you got Morgan Fox who can play inside and outside and Daquan Jones. I think um, I think that's really – like it's like – you know, GM say it starts up front. I think that's really true. And I think um, the Panthers did what they needed to do to make this a, a much better defense. You could also add in Marquise Haynes, too. Uh, he yeah, had Marquise Haynes. Is, I always forget about Marquise Haynes, but he was, <laughs> he was solid last year. 
Yeah, what do you have? About four sacks last year. So, I mean, they got an opportunity to really help that secondary. You got experience out that corner, and then you have a lot of talent and a lot of potential there on that defensive line. I I think this defense has top 10 potential, and we haven't even talked about the guy who I think is probably the most exciting player in this defense, and Jeremy Chin, who now Mm -hmm. steps back to safety. Do you – from your understanding, you know, how much safety is he really going to play? Is he going to be all over the field playing linebacker again, playing a nickel? Is he going to really have any kind of set position or is he just going to be all over the defense, jack of all trades? You know, they they like him as a hybrid type player. They don't want to limit him. I think what they did last year was they mostly probably used him as like 75% linebacker, 25% safety last year. And I think they want to flip-flop that. Um, you know, one reason is try to preserve his health. You know, he got beat up last year. Um, you know, he, he had the, the knee injury, um, and, and it's, it's kind of kept him out of, of this off season as well. So I think they want to use him in what his natural position is. It's something he's been working on, uh, focusing on while he hasn't been in full contact. Um, but yeah, Jeremy Chen is a, an impressive type player. Um, you know, the fact that he played safety for most of his career and he didn't even play that primarily last year is what probably should excite people because he's going back to his natural position. Um, and, you know, whatever Jeremy Chen does, he's going to work hard at it. He's going to be one of the hardest workers out there. So we know he's going to get better. Um, so, I, you know, I think, you know, Jeremy Chen is definitely somebody to be excited about. I think you'll primarily see him about 75% safety, probably 25% linebacker. I, yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, that's a great point you bring up there. The fact that he played out of position last season and then still was up there as one of the defensive rookies of the year. And, of course, went to Chase Young. I know a lot of people here in Carolina don't agree with that, but it doesn't matter either way because you got a cornerstone defensive player alongside a guy like Brian Burns there at edge. And that's why I'm excited about this defense moving forward. And just overall, just looking at this team, just the outlook of 2021. I don't think this is a playoff team. It's the I just I tell people this like it's the youngest team in the league. Yeah. You just you can't even if they had things worked out, maybe they got Matthew Stafford and even Deshaun Watson. I still feel like it's hard to have that expectation to go into the playoffs when you have the youngest team in a National Football League. Yeah. Especially now looking at the fact that the offensive line there's there's still question marks there. You can say there's even a little bit of question marks just defensively whether they actually are going to get after the passer like they need to. Um, mm-hmm. And especially the number one question mark is that quarterback. What do you think the realistic expectations should be for Matt Rule, this organization, heading into year two? You know, I, th- I think they have to improve 100%. They have to be better than 5-11. and 11. And when I say better than 5-11, and 11, they can't be 6-17 and what, 17 games this year. 6-11. and 11. Uh, Yeah, they can't be 6-11. and 11. Uh, You know, I think – it, but if I'm looking at it realistically, based on what they've added, the defense has gotten a lot better. They're still young, but they've gotten a lot better. Um, offense with Christian McCaffrey should be better. I'm looking at a nine and eight type season. Um, you know, I think that's where. And and I think that if I think that if they do go nine and eight, I think that's an improvement, and I think that's one that the Panthers should look forward to. At the same time. You know, quarterback play has to be good in that. Like, if they finish nine and eight and then have terrible quarterback play, I think that's considered a failure because you could have got somebody better. Uh, but um, nine and eight to me seems realistic. You know, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. They're still young. They're still learning. Brian Burns is only in year three. Is going to only be in year three. Um, Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin only going to be in year two. So naturally, they're probably going to have some growing pains. Um, 
I mean, even Brian Burns, as good as he was, he had some some growing pains when he got, you know, he didn't get as much set production um, midway through the year. Um, so uh, I think this is a team that that is, you know, can be good, but it, it's a lot predicated on on how that quarterback position works and and and, and whether they can protect them. That's interesting too. I mean, I, I mean, I'll get you on this. You said nine and eight. Like, that, there's been a lot of talk about seven and ten, eight and nine, nine and eight. I think a lot of fans probably be fine with the hot eight and nine, nine and eight. Obviously, the nine and eight because then that might set up 2022 year three to be that first time in franchise history that we have back to back winning seasons here in Carolina. Like, if they're gonna be nine and eight, that's kind of a fringe playoff team, no? Or maybe even in the playoffs with that with that extra wild card here permanently. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. It depends on how these NFC teams finish. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking it's like 10 and 7 is like fringe playoffs. I think they'll probably be close to making the playoffs, but but won't make it. Uh, you know, I think the fact that the Saints don't have Drew Brees and they're still trying to figure out their quarterback um, helps and, and the Falcons not being good definitely helps the Panthers. They'll struggle against the Buccaneers because I think the Buccaneers are going to be good once again. So I think they'll they'll be able to get some division wins this year, um, but playoffs. Um, I'd I'd have to see a lot from Sam Darnold before I say the Panthers are for sure making the playoffs. Yeah, no strong points, man. I appreciate you guys. Make sure to uh, follow him on Twitter at John M Alexander. There's no H there, so at John M Alexander. He is the beat reporter, one of the beat reporters for the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer, and he also was born and raised right here in the QC, just like me. So always respect yes, that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Great stuff there from Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer. Make sure to go follow him again on Twitter at John M. Alexander. No H there. So J-O-N-M Alexander. That's his Twitter handle. Follow him and Elena Getzenberg. They're going to do great jobs throughout the season covering the Carolina Panthers, and especially starting next week on the 27th as the Panthers report to training camp. You're going to want to be tuned in to those guys, guys like Joe Person, uh, Bill Voth, Darren Gant, and all the fine folks that are on the beat covering the Carolina Panthers on a daily basis. I don't know what my plan is for training camp. Possibly might be down there at some point in time. We're going to continue to try and get you guys more content good interviews throughout the rest of the the show, the rest of the offseason as we head into the season. And even beyond then, we'll have got people on to add perspective to the show. So again, I appreciate everyone listening to Locked on Panthers. Again, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Check us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts from. And follow me at Julian Counts on Twitter, where every Friday throughout the offseason, I'm going to need your participation with our weekly Friday mailbag. So get those questions into me right now by DMing me or adding me. Thanks again, and I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.